With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. notified today of a relationship that had gone really, really bad, and in this relationship, there was this man who was so in love with this woman, and this woman was so unfaithful and so much in disregard of the feelings that her husband had for her, that she threw it to the wind like casting pearl before swine. She stomped on it. She treaded on it. No matter how much he showed her, he loved her. She mocked him, ran around on him. Everybody knows about it. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody is making a mockery of his love. Everyone is looking at her flaunt her relationships publicly everyone is talking it's all the buzz in the neighborhood it's all the buzz in the church it's all the buzz on the job what in the world what in the world must this man do what more must he do she's had five children 
and neither of them are his. Yet he continues to go after her, to pursue her, to come after her time and time again and always remind her that she can come home. She doesn't have to live like this. She doesn't have to behave like this. He still loves her. He never throws up that the children aren't his, even though he knows the children aren't his. What in the world would possess a man to love a woman so strongly? It goes contrary to what most Christians would believe. Automatically, he's been abandoned. He has no obligation to this woman. He can walk away anytime. And who in the world in the Christian community would blame him, let alone anybody in the world who would blame him from walking away from a wife who's living the life of a prostitute? He doesn't have to do anything in regards to being a father to her children, being responsible to her, no alimony, no nothing. He could just cut her off and walk away and no one would blame him. But what is it about this man that makes him keep on extending peace, love, and compassion, and forgiveness? Stay tuned as we go into the prophet and the prostitute. Hi, you're online live with Patricia Adams Live. We're going to explore the topic of the prophet and the prostitute. I see that we have callers online. I see 936 and 469. Welcome to the show. And the purpose of laying the groundwork for this show and for the direction that we're going to go in is discovering how much of the prostitute lies in each of us as we pursue our relationship with God through Christ Jesus and how much of the prophet lies in us because many of us can be both. We can be both prophet and prostitute or we can be in a relationship physically in a relationship in a local church where the church is the prostitute or the prophet. So the dynamics of the relationship, the two identities of the prophet and the prostitute are not confined to a male or a female relationship. This is about the spirit. Are we operating in the spirit of harlotry? Are we operating in the spirit of the prophet? Are we taking the office of the prophet and prostituting the office of the prophet? Are we taking the office of the church and becoming the harlot? The dynamics for being the prostitute and the prophet are limitless. In this text, we're going to examine Jose and Gomer for that purpose. And out of this, hopefully will come a time of self-reflection, of examination of where you stand with God, where you stand with yourself, your community, your family, your relationships, not just with your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, or your spouse, or the person that you're betrothed to or that you're engaged to, but primarily getting you to align your spirit with the call and the mandate of God. And when God is satisfied, then everything in the house is satisfied. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? 
We want to come in agreement with what God has for us and fall out of agreement with the things of the world, of religion. This is not a religious broadcast. This is not a broadcast um, that is going to be promoting any particular domination, any particular um, train of thought. We simply want the pure and unadulterated word of God because it is only that which will set us free. So you're welcome today. And I see that 936 is on the line. Um, Would you like to have any comments at this time? Okay. 469, would you like to have any comments at this time? All right, we're going to go directly into the passage, and we're going to start at Hosea chapter 1. And Hosea chapter 1 starts out with the word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel, and she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Lorahama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now, when she had weaned Loruhama, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. I want to stop right here because this is the foundation for this text and for the concept of what God is wanting from his children. Us, the children of Israel, the modern-day Israelites who have been engrafted into the kingdom of God, These are the ones that he is calling out, and he is asking us, what will you do? How much more must I do before I get your attention? How much more must I do for you? Because I've done everything. I've I've given you my son. I've given you my covenant. I've given you my promises. I've given you my word. I've given my spirit to you. I've given you free reign in the kingdom. I've even given you the keys to death, hell, and the grave, yet you continue to flaunt yourself, your flesh before me. It comes up in the nostrils of God as a stench as opposed to a sweet-smelling savor of someone who is offered a reasonable service, has given a pure sacrifice, who's raising up holy hands. All that God is requiring of us is 
a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise. No more a sacrifice of burnt offerings. No more sacrifice of lambs and wolves, wolves and bullocks. None of that is he requiring of us. He's not asking for the first fruit of our land. He's not asking for anything other than a sacrifice of praise and to worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes, we make offerings. Yes, we bring offerings to the house for the upbuilding of the kingdom. But ultimately, when your money is gone, which a lot of people are experiencing this today in this economy, they have no money, but what else do you have that God requires of you, that makes God happy, that makes him satisfied, that makes him want to spend time with you, that makes him want to come and embrace you and touch you? The opening song by Cheryl Brady says that, the birds of the air have a home, and, and the foxes have fields they can roam in, but out of all the places that Jesus can go, where can he go? Can he come and lay his head on you? Can he come and talk to you? Can he come and share the, the desires that he has for you with you? Can he really talk to you as a husband? as a wife, because he is the great I am. He is anything and everything that we need him to be. Whatever you desire of God, God is able to do that and to do it exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. So here is the story. We laid out the intro of basically a modern-day story of a man who is being cheated on. This is something that's worthy of being on Jerry Springer, being on – uh, the old talk show circuits, the Ricky Lakes, the, all these different people, the Sally Jesse Raphaels, the Mari Povages, all of these people, these are all things that people are heaping to themselves because they have itching ears. They want to hear what satisfies their flesh, what satisfies their natural tendencies. And it's like it's okay somebody to validate you and say it's okay. It's okay for you to do what you're doing. It's okay for you to be a trickster. It's okay for you to be unfaithful. It's okay for you to do this. You know, who am I to judge you? We're quick to give people a free pass. You know, I can't judge you. I can't tell you. I don't have heaven to put you in. I'm not God. But yet the word of God is true. He says that whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. And here God is asking his prophet to take unto himself a wife of whoredoms, a harlot, someone who will not be faithful to him, someone no matter how much she knows that she's loved, has the incapability of receiving that love. That's a heart that has been hardened. That's a heart that has been given over to its own lust because the word of God once again says that, you know, let no man say that when he is tempted that God has tempted him because he's led away by his own lust, by his own desires, so here she is following the lust of the flesh, and here is God wooing her and standing there, embracing her. Every time that she would go whoring, he would still be there to love her, never judging her, never condemning her, but just saying, don't you know how much I love you? Don't you know how unconditionally you're loved, how much I accept you? Even when she finds herself later on in this discourse of being sold as a slave because she's entered into bondage. I can imagine that she no longer looks like a wife. You know, after you've spent so much time on the street living that street life, living any kind of way, we have people who come off the street homeless, and you can come in and you can clean them up, but yet the residue of the homelessness is still on them. So it is with us when we come to Christ. 
whatever life you've lived before you come to Christ, the residue of that life is on you. And God requires you to let him love on you, to embrace you, to talk to you, to walk you through some things, and, and to get off the form of self and to get off the grave clothes. And so we call for the ministers and the elders of the church because we need the assistance of the ministers and the elders to loose us from the grave clothes when Lazarus was coming from the grave. And Jesus said to them, he says, loose him. Now, even though Lazarus was alive and Lazarus had been called forth from death into life and the stone had been rolled away from him and his flesh was coming back upon him and the stench was of death was being removed from him, yet he was still bound. He was still bound in grave clothes. And there he was. There he was needing to be loosed. So here we are calling upon those who are spiritual to restore such a one who has been overtaken in a fault. So what is the command that God speaks to the heart of men and women? Put away. Put away your childish behavior. Grow up. It's time to let go of people. It's time to let go of circumstances and situations. Anything that you have gone whoring after, be it your job, be it your spouse, be it your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mother, your father, anything that you have placed on a pedestal, and you have made it your God, that is the thing that you have become Gomer too. So we have the prophet and the prostitute. Are you the prostitute or are you the prophet? Are you both? Because now if you are both, it says, let not a double-minded man think that he will get anything from him because you will automatically ask amiss. And then he tells us that he would rather that we be either lukewarm you know, or cold you have to, it's like he would rather you be all the way out than halfway in. He would rather you serve him with your whole heart or not serve him half-heartedly because the wages of sin are death. When God has called you out of the grave, out of that lifestyle, and here you are, he's taking you into newness of life, yet you're clinging on to death in the cemetery. And every place that he takes you and he tries to take you into newness of life, you're dragging death and you're dragging the stench of death behind you. How can you have a sweet-smelling savor and a sour, pungent smell of the grave at the same time? I think that's repulsive in God's nose, in your nose. If you were physically sitting next to someone who had been dead and all of a sudden they had been a leper and their flesh had the stench of death and they were in the process of being restored and healed, yet their body still had the stench of decay and, and maggots crawling on it and, and they were set down next to you, just, you know, the fresh out of the leper's colony, they came and sat down next to you, and they had on new clothes, but their skin was still all maimed and lame and everything, and, and fingers and toes and things were missing, and maybe their eye had fallen out of its socket, and you're sitting next to that person, and how grotesque, how grotesque that is. I even think in terms of the old uh, movie about the hunchback of Notre Dame. And he's running and he's, he's, he's wounded and he's deformed and he's just looking for some place to go. And you hear him hollering, sanctuary, sanctuary, sanctuary. The people are mocking him because he is a sight to be seen. He doesn't fit in. He doesn't look the way they look. He doesn't act. He doesn't walk. He doesn't talk the way that they do. So they cast him aside and they talk about him and they ostracize him. Well, can you imagine Hosea, a prophet, an upstanding man of God, walking down the street with his wife, 
the lowly harlot, the lowly prostitute, Gomer. And people pointing their fingers and talking about it, and the little children running behind them. I wonder if that's his. I wonder if that's his. That child looks nothing like him. And, and probably in earshot and ear range, can you imagine God being indicted to look down on his children and say, those are not his children? His children don't behave like that. His children don't think like that. His children don't walk like that. They don't even look like his children. They don't even look like his children. What are we supposed to do in a climate and environment where the saints of God can hardly be discerned from those who are in the world? Yes, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. But we take on the secular and we bring it into the church. And we expect for the church to accept our secular humanism and to be okay with our secular humanism. How can we say that we who love him, who are called to worship him in spirit and in truth, how can we say that the love of God abides in us when we say we love God, but we can't love the person sitting next to us. We can't love the person behind us or in front of us. We can't be true to one another. We can't be faithful to one another. We have uh, backbitings and we have slanderings and all of this going on. So all of this is going on in Jose and Gomer's time, and they're walking, and people are gossiping, people are talking. Can you imagine that um, his peers are talking about him and, and, like, you know, what is going on with you? And all Hosea says, I have a word from the Lord, because he had a word from the Lord in verse 2. And in verse 1, he had a word from the Lord. It says, the word of the Lord that came unto Hosea. And in verse 2, it says, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. Hosea turns around and he begins to prophesy on his own behalf, in his own situation, in his own circumstance. And he's bleeding and he's leading at the same time and he's prophesying to the children of Israel, the northern and the southern kingdom, and he's telling them, God is not going to continue to allow you to do what you're doing, but yet he is having a wife. Literally, some say, and figuratively, some say maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe this was just an analogy of some sort. But I want to take the word of God literally in this case, and I want to say that here is Hosea preaching to the fallen children of Israel that there is impending judgment coming up on them, and yet his house is in a mess. How many of us would sit under a pastor who was preaching the gospel to us, and we knew that he was a true prophet, yet his house was in a mess? This is why we must be discerning of those who lead us. We must understand that the call of God is upon the lives of his people. And when he anoints one, it is not ours to take them down. It is not ours to take them down. It's ours to intercede and to pray for them. So here we are in a situation where here he is, a representative of God, and he's trying to tell them, it's like, why not take the big beam out of your own? I want you to do something about your wife. Why don't you do something about those children that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't even, I don't even think they belong to you, not a single one of them. And, and people going like, you know, who are you to tell me how to live my life? And you can't control your wife. You can't control your own house. Come on. How is it that when we go out to witness in the community, when we go out to witness on the job, when we go out to witness to others, when we go out to speak the word, and then the first thing, 
the enemy wants to do is to disqualify you. Look for a reason to disqualify you. What qualifies you to speak to me? Who told you to tell me that? And clearly, Hosea is following God. He is commanded of God to take to himself a woman who is a harlot. Just as God is sitting there, he says, you know, I love you with an everlasting love, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am married to you. And here he is saying that all I want you to do is to be faithful to me. I want your fidelity. I want you to respond to my touch. I want you to respond to my voice. I want you to respond to what you hear me say to you when I call out to you, when I call your name. Something about the way that I call your name ought to move you, move your bowels to compassion, move your mind and says, oh, there's something. There's something about him. When he calls my name, all I can do is say yes. Yet this woman, whenever he calls her name, continues to run to the streets, continues to run to other lovers, continues to run and flaunt herself in public. How that must have broken his heart. Have you ever thought about maybe how God feels about us when we refuse to respond to him when he's calling us? He says that the gifts and callings are without repentance. But there comes a time when even God says he will not chide with us, he will not wink at us, he will not ignore our infidelities, but he will judge us. There is a grace. There is a grace that will leave you after a certain time of God trying to get his attention because here he is having to send forth a prophecy. He's having to send forth a prophecy. And he's having to tell them, look, okay, I'm not going to always put up with this. I am not always going to put up with your behavior. I am not always going to even entertain you. I am not always going to say to you that I'm okay with you and I'm going to keep on loving you and I'm not going to punish you. I am not going to always say to you that the next time you go out, and you come back in and you bring me another baby, that I'm going to accept this baby, that I'm going to accept you going out and and, and bringing me in countless Ishmaels, if you would, uh, works of your own flesh, your own plans, because it says, you know, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God knows how to work your mistakes into your destiny, but there comes a time when you will still reap the consequences for your decisions. Don't think that you're going to get a free pass. You're going to go and live your life any old kind of way, and you're not going to suffer the consequences. Many of you know the story of David and Bathsheba. David was a man after God's own heart, but David didn't get a free pass. For all the sins that David committed, he experienced them in the lives of his children, in the lives of his kingdom. They all manifested themselves. A lot of the things that we're dealing with right now, even Abraham didn't escape. Abraham was a man of the consequences and the repercussions for the lies that Abraham told, for the deceptions that Abraham tried to do, manifested themselves in his generation. And here we are now, and we have a war that's going on, and nations coming to the rescue of Abraham's seed. We have the son of Sarah and the son of Hagar at war. And if God is God, he is the same yesterday today and forevermore. You shall reap what you sow. 
surely you shall reap what you sow. When God calls your name, something about him calling your name ought to move you to tears. It ought to take you and cause you to do that which is pleasing in his sight. But yet, here we are dealing with Hosea and Gomer in the Old Testament, and we still find that Hosea and Gomer is alive today. How many of you probably know someone personally who's in a, in a relationship like this, married to a woman like this, married to a man like this? Remember, we're going to remove gender from this. This is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual thing. So in this self-examination, um, you have no stones to throw, not because you are so righteous or because you are so holy, but because, God forbid, God forbid that you should stumble when you think you're standing. God forbid that you lose the ability to have mercy and, and compassion because what you need is to understand that at some point or another in your life, you're going to need the grace of God and the mercy of God, but you're also going to need the compassion of men at some point in your life. So when you're walking this journey and you're walking alongside of a Jose, a man of God, called to serve God, and who can he talk to? Could, could, could he get his peers to understand, I've got a word from God. God told me to do this. God told me to marry this harlot. And they're going like, oh, come on. You know, God told Jeremiah to do a lot of stuff. God told, you know, um, everybody, Obadiah, Amos, all of them, Daniel, all of them. But God never told anybody to marry a whore. Why in the world would God tell you to marry a whore? Come on, Jose, get off of it. You are missing God. How are we to know what God says to another person? Save God, give us a revelation. So we have to be careful how we judge Hosea, and we have to be careful how we judge Gomer because we've been Gomer. And some of us are now Hosea. But then some of us are both Hosea and Gomer. So what do you do? What do you do? I see that we have um, Tony Key on the line and we have uh, several people on the line. I'd like to go to the lines and take some calls and some comments. So if you will stand by, I see Pastor Rebecca. Thank you for joining in. And guest 1504, I see you here as well. And I believe some of you are on uh, the line and some of you are on, uh, okay, got Maze 045 joining in. Thank you, Maze 045, for joining in. And uh, once again, we're going to try to get to you. And you can, uh, I believe, Maze, you're able to chat with me. So if you'd like to send me a message, Pastor Rebecca, if you'd like to send a message and guess uh, 1504, if you'd like to send a message, please do so. And Tony Key, by all means, uh, chime in if you'd like to send a chat to me, and we can talk about it. I'm going to try to go to those who are on the, uh, the call. If you'd like to make a comment, Please feel free. Okay, we're going to go to someone on the chat line. Would you like to make a comment, Pastor Rebecca? Hello? 
1504, would you like to make a comment? All right, then let's go back. We're going to uh, pick up again now with uh, verse 4. And here it says, And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. All of their children, and there were three children, and I like to get into numbers, and, and to me, they had three children, and that's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. For me personally, that's the direction that I'd like to take it. Uh, many of you may look at it differently, but I believe that it has a bearing on um, the fulfillment of the New Testament. Because here first was Hosea, Mary a harlot. He obeyed. We all know that God rewards our obedience. And so marriage is a covenant. It's a symbol of a relationship between a man and a woman. But spiritually speaking, it is a covenant between God and his people. So even when we're unfaithful, God says that he's married to the backslider. So here we are following other gods and breaking commandments and going against the terms of the covenant. Because when you take an oath, when you take a vow, and you says, you know, I want you in my life. I love you forever. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Yet you flirt, yet you go out on him, yet you do whatever you want to do. You violate your obligations and your commitment to God as his wife, as his husband, because God is not a gender. He is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So male and female, he created them, but we must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you are a man, he's your wife. If you're a woman, he's your husband. So now Hosea and his wife have a son, and God says, I'm not going to even give you the privilege of naming your own children. I'm going to name your children. Every child you have, I'm going to name them. So he tells him who to marry, tells him what to say, tells him what to do, tells him what to name his children, tells him how to love his unfaithful wife. God is all in Hosea's business. A lot of us could not bear God being in our business like that. You know, God, you you are not the one to tell me how to run my life. You are not the one to tell me how to treat my wife or how to treat my husband or how to treat my children, what to call my children, where I can go, where I can't go, how long I need to stay married, how, when I need to get married, who I need to get married to. God, you don't have any business telling me how to do anything except live safe. Well, guess what? Here is God telling Hosea, I not only have the right, but I'm telling you. I'm not giving you a choice. You don't have a choice. If you are called by my name, you don't have a choice to do anything else except obey me. So here is Hosea saying, okay, I'm going to obey you. I don't hear anywhere in the book of Hosea that Hosea was reluctant to obey God. He obeyed God, obviously, because he knew his father's voice. How do you get to know God's voice? It comes out of relationships. It comes out of spending time with God. It comes out of intimacy with God. I remember talking to a young man on yesterday, and he had something very profound to say, and I hope that he'll come and be a guest on the show as well. And he was talking about um, uh, Bishop Jakes is uh, delivering a message, and basically he took what Bishop Jakes said and he kind of broke it down to Numbers and, and statistics, and so Bishop said something to the effect of even in marriage, you should only expect to have euphoria 3% of the time. And this young man, he says, so basically you mean 97% of the time of my marriage will be spent 
and a state of non-euphoria. And he took it and he applied it to the months, to the days of the month. So he says, I'll be doing good if I get three days out of a month where I am just excited and happy to be married. That is amazing. And this is, hi, Tony, how are you? And I don't know uh, what happened either. Uh, Tony Key says that he was making some comments and um, says that the guests could not hear, so I'm not really sure what happened. We'll work the bugs out. We're getting launched, so I apologize for any technical difficulties we may be having, and I hope that you will still stay tuned. Here we um, are going once again, and we find that in this situation that God is saying, I want to be in total, total control of your life, which to me is a resting place. It's a place of peace when God is in control because if God is in control, then whatever happens, God has to take responsibility and God has to take the blame for it if you're going to blame anybody. So you know for a fact that if you turn around and you say, you know what, I did this because you told me to do this, and no, I did what you told me to do, but if we would just, listen to the voice of God and follow what God does, then we could just go on about our business and say, you know what, God, you're handling my business, so I'm going to go and do your business. And that's what he wants us to do. But because we have been accustomed to being busybodies, and there's even a passage of Scripture that says, you know, that you need to get you some business. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but there's a passage in the New Testament that says that the busybody, that God wants us to mind our own business, to roll our cares over on him and mind our own business. So then um, Hosea has the son with Gomer, and God commands that the son be named Jezreel. Now, Jezreel is named because of the bloodshed that has happened in amongst the children of Israel with the kings. There's been a lot of assassinations going on with the kings, and the people have, you know, they keep crying for a king, but they keep killing them. I mean, can you imagine, you know, give us a king, give us a king, but somehow or another they're, they're either killing them or they are driving them to premature death. But here we go, and he says, now, I want you to name your son, your firstborn son, what I'm telling you to name him, and I want you to name him Jezreel. And it's because it is a sign against the house of the northern kingdom. And he says that because of the bloodshed that they have shed amongst themselves, Jezreel's name means God scatters. I am going to scatter you to the wind. And God did that because you have people amongst the community who are doing exactly what they want to do, however they want to do however they want to do, whenever they want to do it. And he is saying, I am not going to even let you stay in the land that I've set aside for you. I am so angry and disappointed with you that I am going to drive you to the four winds. And the children of Israel are all over the world. So when he comes back, the children of Israel are going to be gathered back into this new Jerusalem. But right now they have been dispersed all over the world. And this is where it all happens. So then the next thing that God asked him, remember the first thing, he said, I want you to marry Harley. The second thing, I want you to let me name your firstborn son, and I want, I'm going to call him Jezreel because it's going to act as a remembrance of my judgment against the northern kingdom for the bloodshed that's on their hands. Next, I want to name your daughter. Now, how many men would say, okay, I draw the line right there? 
I draw the line. You know, this is my baby girl. Probably maybe the only girl I'm going to have is my firstborn girl, and you are telling me that I can't even name my baby girl? And obviously not. He says, so when the daughter was born, God says, now I want you to call her Lorahama. And her name meant unloved, pity, to, to feel sorry for. How many men who have daughters? want their daughters to be called unloved. They want them to be the apple of their eye. They want to dote on them. They want to show them how much they're loved. And here God is saying, no, this girl is going to represent unloved. She's pitiful, absolutely pitiful. And he says, I'm going to use her as an example of the mercy that I am going to show the southern kingdom because the southern kingdom was not doing as bad off as the northern kingdom was doing. So God was in the midst of this situation showing a little bit of grace and a little bit of mercy. Here he was mixing it up. But he says, I want to have these two parallels going, and I want to have the opposition in your house, where on one hand I've got your firstborn son named Jezreel saying that I am going to judge the north, and on the other hand I've got the south, and I am going to have mercy on the south. So God is not going to have pity on the northern kingdom and he is going to destroy the northern kingdom. Next thing he asks is for one more thing. He says, I want you to take this next son that's born. And I don't even think it's really yours. I mean, he doesn't really make a comment about the other two, but he kind of leans toward the fact that maybe this other child really isn't his. <laughs> so God says, now, I want you to name this one, Loami, meaning not my people, not mine. So the child bore a name of shame. So you've got, on one hand, eminent judgment from the firstborn, eminent mercy from the secondborn, and then not my people. You're walking around every time you're calling your children and says, you know what, God's going to judge. God's going to judge you. God's going to judge you every time he calls you. God's going to judge you, Jezreel. God's going to judge you. God's going to judge you. The third one, God's going to have some mercy on you because you're pitiful. You, you, you're really pitiful. You're not loved. And so, you know, nobody really seems to be paying you any attention, you know. And, and this right here, if you think about it, this is the middle child syndrome. Most middle children don't feel like they've been loved enough by their parents. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a middle child saying, you know, that's right, I don't feel loved. I never felt loved. I never felt like anybody really cared about me. But God says, you know, I'm going to have mercy on you, middle child. I'm going to have mercy on you. So here the fourth son, uh, the fourth thing that God says to Gomer, he says, now, um, Hosea and Gomer, this last child, I don't think that's really Hosea's son. So when God says, I'm not your I am. This is this is what's basically saying that you know you're not mine. You don't belong to me, so you cannot call on me. I will not be your I am because he says I am that I am. So to the child of God, to the one who is called according to his purpose, who is willing to do and live his life according to the commands and let God have his life. Here we are. Here we are, and he is telling this couple that I am never going to be the great I am to this child. So God says that I'm going to change your name in connection to the current relationship 
in Israel. Right now, Israel doesn't want me, and I don't want them. They don't want to be my people. I don't want to be their God. God turns his back on them, and for 400 years, silence. He has nothing to say to them, nothing to say to them. Could you live in the house with somebody who had nothing to say to you? ignore you completely? Can you imagine how God must feel when we ignore him? So now here is a man who is a prophet with a word from God, and all of this chaos is going on in his house, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and a child that's not mine, that doesn't even act like me, doesn't look like me, doesn't walk like me, doesn't want to have anything to do with me. So most most children, when they're ignored, they ignore you back. So I can imagine that this little boy right here just went on and created his own little world, and he just said, you know, whatever, you know. You don't, you're not looking at me. I'm not looking at you, so fine. And he probably helped raise himself. So now God says, you know what, I'm so tired of this. He says, you know, I, I'm willing to give you a bill of divorce, but I hate divorce. But you know what, I, I don't, I'm so tired of your lukewarm love. I'm so tired of doing all of these different things that you want me to do, but yet I can't get you to let me do anything in your life. We're coming out of Hosea chapter 1, and we're going through verses 1 through um, presently verse 10. And right now I am focusing on uh, verse 5, 6, and 7. And in the process of this, we are dealing with how the relationship between God and his people ties into the title, the prophet and the prostitute. You're either the prophet or the prostitute, or you're both the prophet and the prostitute. You're either prostituting your office of the prophet, or you're prostituting your relationship with God as a prostitute. You're running around on God. You're cheating on God. And here we are now saying that here is God and here are these people. Something has to give. Judgment has to be meted out, but then it has to be tempered with mercy, and then there has to go through a period of, you know, I'm just going to completely ignore your behavior. You're going to throw a temper chance, and you're going to fall out, you're going to show yourself, and you're going to, you know, raise your voice, and you're going to scream and cry and kick until I give you what you want. Well, guess what? Game up. I'm not doing that anymore. I put up with you long enough. Right now, we're on ignore mode. You don't want to be my people? Hey, guess what? I don't want to be your God. I can't imagine us going through that again. And the reason why is because, remember, we got the north and the south going on in the house, but then in between that with the middle child, we got a little bit of mercy, a little bit of pity. And that's Jesus in between there interceding for us, saying, you know what, God, I want you to keep on loving them. And the only way that we keep from being in the same condition as Hosea and Gomer and Israel is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that he has come and he has removed the veil that separated us from God, that caused God to turn his back on us, that he said, I don't want to have anything to do with them. He says, you know what, Daddy? He says, let me go. He says, I know you love them. He says, I know you want to be in relationship with them. So make me a body, and I'm going to go down here, and I'm going to redeem man back to you. So now that God has turned his back and faced us, and he's saying, now, I don't want you talking to my back. I want you to talk to my face. I don't want you talking to my hand. I want you to seek my face. Stop seeking what's in my hand because that's the same thing 
that the children of Israel did. They sought him for things, but they didn't seek the relationship with him. God wants you to be intimate with him, to be romanced by him. And we find that clearly with the Song of Solomon, if you ever want to know what it is to be in relationship with God, I encourage you to read the book of Solomon, to eat the book of Solomon, because it talks about a love affair, talks about a man loving a woman, talks about a man telling her how beautiful she is, how wonderful she is. Every man desires to be praised women. I don't care what he looks like, how fine he looks on the outside, how together he might look on the outside. Every man wants to be praised. He needs to be praised because he was made in the image of his daddy. God inhabits what? The praises of his people. So why in the world, why in the world would he settle for less? Why would he be satisfied with less? A man needs to be praised. And I'm not trying to get in your business, and I'm not trying to tell you anything about your marriage, anything about your relationship. I'm simply telling you about the Word of God. And the Word of God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And when God inhabits your praises, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. When God gets into you, and I mean, have you ever seen a relationship where a man is just into a woman? I mean, just and it's something about this woman that he is so into her. And, and I think that even the woman who doesn't wear a lot of makeup, a woman who doesn't uh, do a lot of glamour, a woman who is just okay with herself the way she is becomes even more beautiful. And a woman with a lot of makeup or a woman with moderate makeup or moderate attire, whatever, in the arms of a man who is into her, it doesn't matter what she's wearing. If he puts it on her, it's going to work. It's going to work because a man who will pay attention to his wife will pay attention to God, a man who will love God and love himself and love the church as Christ loves the church, will love his wife, and he will love her into relationship. Here is Hosea trying to do this with Gomer, yet she keeps running out. Why is that? Because there was no power to stay safe. There was no power to do what was right. All they had was the once-a-year offerings where they went out and they took a scapegoat and they put their sins on and they hoped that everything would be okay for the rest of the year. Hope that everything would have a place in God's kingdom. God says that he wants us. If, if the heavens are adorned with gold and if God himself is dressed and fine linen and scarlet. Why would he want any of us to look as Pam Dowdy? God wants his people to look good. God wants us to feel good, and God wants us to be good in his kingdom. He wants to show forth his kingdom. He can't get any glory out of you being in sackcloth. So I appreciate the God that says that, you know what, I want to shower you with blessings. I want to array you with crowns. I want you to be just beautified. I want you to be internally beautiful so that your beauty will show up on the outside. God wants to adorn us internally so it will show up on the outside. Outside. And whatever God assigns to us, whatever situation that God dresses us in, whatever class that he puts us in, do it and do it well. Do it all to the glory of God. There is no shadow or turning in him. God says that he wants us to be saved. He wants us to be sanctified. He's after our 
spirit. He's not after our body. Because when he comes back, I don't care what you're wearing, it's going to get left behind. It doesn't matter if you wear Armani. It doesn't matter if you wear a Kmart. It doesn't matter if you wear a Walmart or Target. It doesn't matter if you wear a Mac. It doesn't matter if you wear a Maybelline. It does not matter. On the outside, God is looking at the heart. So for God to get the glory, God ought to be able to tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, how long to do it, when to stop doing it, who to talk to, who not to talk to. God ought to orchestrate your life. God has set us free from the doctrines of man. If it's not in the word of God, then God is not requiring it of you. If God speaks to your heart, because here, uh, once again, we find that Hosea, I mean, you can't really find anything in here prior to this conversation between God and Hosea that would have prepared Hosea for what God told him to do. It says that the, the books, the things of God, are too vast to even be contained in the Word, but that which is in the Word is for our guidance, is for our instruction, is for our inspiration, but yet we still have God talking to us. He's talking to us through the scriptures. He's talking to us through the prophets. What may be required of you may not be required of me because God knows where I've been. God knows where I'm going. He knows the baggage that I carry. He knows the things that I have in my life. And when God says, you know, I have set before you life and death. I have set before you blessings and curses. Now you choose which one you want. You want to be blessed? Then choose life that it may go well with you and your children. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. God says that we would be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. He said that we would be above and not beneath, that we would be the head and not the tail. And so if God says it, then it is for me. It doesn't matter what man says. When God says a thing, I've got a word from God. And so if the word of God can lead and guide and direct you and he can take you to where you want to be and where you need to be in him, then may God be glorified. But ultimately, God is calling for the prophet that's inside of the prostitute. I heard uh, a minister yesterday um, at our church speak on unzipping your humanity so that your divinity can come out. Imagine yourself being in a body bag, and that body bag representing your flesh and your humanity, your man self, your, your ideas and your doctrines and your concepts. God is doing a new thing in the earth. God is calling for people who are not going to be confined to the four walls of the church, not confined to the doctrines of men, but of people who are so in tune with what he's doing that it doesn't matter. You can stand in the midst of controversy. You can stand in the midst of disagreements. I choose to agree to disagree, but the God that I serve says that he sits high and he looks low and that he is walking to and fro and he has his eye on us and he is looking for somebody to sow himself show himself strong on their behalf, someone that he can bless so that they can be a blessing. It is impossible to build a kingdom and be poor. You have got to be blessed to be a blessing. God says that he is giving us the power to get wealth for what? For the conforming of his kingdom. It takes money. It takes money to do this kingdom. It took money to build this 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 uh, blog talk radio. This didn't get done for free, but some of us are on here experiencing the benefit of what was done. Somebody put up the money. Somebody put up the money. Somebody had to be blessed enough to do this. So here we are in the midst of this, and I say to you that God does desire to bless his people, but there are conditions on the blessings of God. God says that he wants us blessed. He wants us blessed in the city and blessed in the field. So here we have Hosea and Gomer and his three little children, and he is doing the best that he can to speak 
as the mouthpiece of God with a messed up house. Don't let the enemy steal your testimony. Don't let the enemy steal the call of God upon your life because your house might not be like the house down the street or your house may not be like the pastor's house or your house may not be like the mother that's sitting behind you would like for it to be. Remember, gifts and callings are without repentance. And when God calls you to do a thing, God appoints you and God provides for you to do what it is that you need to do. God will do what he will do if you will let him be God. God wants to order your life. He wants to order your steps. He wants to be totally consulted about your life. Don't be disqualified from what God is calling you to do because of mistakes that you've made, because of situations and circumstances that you find yourself in, because of things that you may be doing right now that you don't believe are like God. God has called you out of darkness and into light. What more does God have to do for you except accept you home? God is calling to you, backslider. God is calling to you, saint. God is calling to you, sinner. God is calling to you, lukewarm. God is calling to you, and he says, I have need of you. You've been broken, you've been abused, you've been mistreated, you've been taken advantage of, somebody's done you wrong, somebody's mistreated you, somebody has said all manner of evil against you, somebody has spoken badly to you, somebody has beaten you, somebody has physically harmed you, somebody has emotionally neglected you, but yet God says, I love you, I'm married to you, I want you, I love you, you're precious to me. Come into my arms, come, give me a place to inhabit with you, come, Let me teach you about myself. Come, let me become intimate with you because in human form, you can only do so much. But in God's divinity, in God's anointing, and in God's love for you, God says that he would put on you the mercy and the grace to go through anything, any test, any storm, through the fire, through the flood, whatever it is that's coming against you, God says that I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Whatever God wants to do in your life, allow him to do that in your life. Allow God to be God and you to be man and to be man with a supernatural anointing on you to do that which is the will of the Father, what he has called you to do. God says that he wants you. He wants you and he wants you now. Don't want you yesterday. He don't want you tomorrow. He wants you right now. So right where you are, right where you are, right where you are. Make a decision. If you haven't been all that you could be, know this. It's not over. As long as you are above ground, it's not over. If you're doing all you know how, guess what? There's still more to learn because our brain is only about three and a half pounds. And how in the world could you possibly contain all the mind of God in three and a half pounds of matter? We must take on God in whatever capacity he wants us to be in. God has called you. If you're struggling in your finances and you sense God is is going to do a work in your life to, to set people free in their finances, don't be dismayed. Don't let the enemy tower you down. Because the one thing that God has said to me says the area that you see the enemy fighting you in the most, that is what I've called you to. I want to repeat that. The area that the enemy is fighting you in the most is the area that God is calling you into because it is in your weakness that his strength is superimposed on you and he enables you to do that which he has called you to do. Don't sit back. Don't quelch. Don't 
sit back and withdraw and say, I can't do this until this is right. No, you do it while you're bleeding. You do it while you're hemorrhaging. You do it while it's not there. You just do it. You walk it out in faith. You do it and you say to God, that whatever it is that you have for me to do, whatever my inabilities, it may be in your relationships. I mean, the holidays are coming up, and maybe you don't have the best family relationships. Well, you know what? That is an opportunity for God to turn a situation in your life, maybe not directly into your own family, because God will call you out from those who can't receive you into those who can receive you. And you can begin to share insight with them about how God wants to heal, how God wants to deliver and set free and restore relationships. God takes the simple things and confounds the wise. Don't be disqualified by what seems to be something that's insurmountable. The thing that the enemy is using to disqualify you is the thing that God has used to qualify you for his kingdom. Nowhere in his scripture do you find anyone save Jesus that did not have a moment that should have disqualified him or her from serving in the kingdom of God. God has called you. God has appointed you. God has set his hand on you. He has shown his love over you and his banner flying over you, his love. And how in the world can somebody love somebody and not want the best for them? And whatever the best is in your life, may God give it to you, may God grant it to you. But remember this, it does not come without cost. It does not come without a commitment from you. It is a responsibility that we have as his children to listen to the voice of our Father and to obey him, to take him on, to take him at his word and to know that he will not hurt us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He knows his own thoughts about us. He's always wanted us to succeed. He's always wanted us to prosper. He's never wanted to harm us. He's never wanted us to feel like we were unloved. He's never wanted us to feel ignored. He's never wanted us to feel as if he was going to Utterly destroy us. God is not trying to kill you because if he was trying to kill you, you'd already be dead. That's what I've heard and that's what I believe and I believe God. He wants to prosper you. Prosper you in what? He says that in in John, he says, you know, beloved, I wish above all things that you would do what? That you would prosper. Prosper. What is it to prosper? It's to be blessed. And and how does he want you to prosper? He wants you to prosper in your spirit, soul, mind, and body. Have you ever seen have you ever seen somebody who's not prospering who is able to prosper somebody else? You cannot possibly prosper and be a blessing to someone else without prospering yourself. Whatever it is that you have an abundance of or whatever it is, like the widow's might or whatever, prosper somebody else. Give out of what you have to someone else. This season coming up, if you don't have what you want for Christmas, don't be in bondage to Christmas. Christmas is not a day that God has ordained. It's a day that man has created. Nobody's really getting upset about Christmas more than the retail industry, more than the commercial industry, because people aren't buying, people aren't doing this, people aren't doing that, they aren't shopping, they aren't doing this. I mean, they keep pushing and pushing and pushing for people to come and spend their money. When God says, you know what? This is not the day that I was actually born. I did not send my son into the world to be born on Christmas Day. Wonderful, wonderful story, wonderful commercial story that we're told. But if we were to really be true to the Word of God and go into the Word of God, God would reveal it to us. He was not born on Christmas Day. 
He was not born on Christmas Day, and the big Easter bunny is not coming, and the big Valentine Cupid is not coming. All of these things that are man-made, Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, New Year's, and, and, and uh, Valentine's Day, and Sweetheart's Day, and all of these days that we celebrate is so that retailers can keep on getting rich. Now, how come is that the retail industry can get rich, but we can't get rich? What's up with that? Why would God say that? It's okay for you to go out and put your money to the exchange and spend every dime that you have in the retail and keep making capitalism bigger and fatter. And look at what's happened now. You know, they took it to a whole other level. Capitalism got greedy. They got full of lust. And then guess what? God says, you know what? I've had enough of that too. So if somebody's getting rich, if somebody's being prosperous, if somebody's being well off, if somebody's being blessed, it needs to be the people of God because it is for the purpose of the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. We must be about our Father's business. We do not have time to argue over doctrines of men. We do not have time to argue over opinions. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, he says that I have given you the power to get wealth. I want you to be wealthy so that my kingdom can be confirmed, so that it can be established. Because if you put money into the hands of somebody who is obedient to God, God is going to be glorified. God is going to get the glory out of it. You must, you must understand that God has done a shift in the kingdom. The money has been loosed out the windows. It went flying out the doors. It went flying down the shafts, and it's in the streets, and you have to be prepared and positioned to receive what God has for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, for my life, and before he comes back, let every man be a liar and let God be, a, let God be the truth because his word is settled in heaven. He doesn't need me to convince you. He doesn't need anybody to convince you that he's lying. God cannot lie, will not lie. So I believe God, and I believe that when he comes back, if I'm gone before he comes, then I still believe God. I still believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he can tell Jose how to live his life, he ought to be able to tell you and I how to live our lives. God is God all by himself, and he deserves the glory. He deserves the praise, and he deserves to have you tell him how much you love him, how much you want to serve him, how much you want to be in relationship with him, and him alone. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, when you're laying in the bed next to your husband and your wife, ultimately, you're still alone. It's you and God. So back to what the young man said. He says, you know, three days out of the month, I should expect to be absolutely euphoric. And the rest of those 27, 28 days is just going to be so-so. Those are the days where you must know Jesus for yourself. Because it's a reality. You cannot expect for another human being to fulfill the big gaping holes in your life that require God. God wants to fill the voids, the aches, the pains, the yearnings, the longings, and the desires of your heart. He wants to romance you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to woo you. He wants to whisper in your ear. And he wants to heal and restore you so that when you're in a room with a thousand people, you know that he has never left you nor forsaken you. When, because there are people who feel alone in a crowd. And in reality, they're not alone, but because they have this big hole, this big pain, this big loss, this spirit of grief and despondency on them, it's hard to imagine that the people who are standing around them are actually concerned about them. It's the, like the middle child syndrome. Everybody is here, but they're all ignoring me. Woe is me. I'm so unloved. 
Nobody wants me. God is love, and his love is greater, deeper, higher, wider than anything that we can imagine. He loves us so unconditionally that even he allows us to come alongside of him when we're unlovely, when we're behaving badly, when we're having a temper tantrum, and he's still saying, you know what, that's still my child. I still love them because I no longer have my back turned to them. I have my eye on them. They are the apple of my eye, and I am looking forward to blessing them so that they can be a blessing God bless you, God keep you, and I want to issue a prayer. Yes, he does, he does, he does, but even in the midst of God, there's still a place inside of you. There's still a place inside of you that only God can fill. Another human being can only fill so much of that, and I absolutely agree. And I had to think about this because in the discourse that I had with a young man the other day, when he was saying that he's, and I said, you know, I can't imagine getting married and being unhappy. I cannot imagine getting married and being unhappy. And Pastor Rebecca mentioned that. He says, you know, that uh, God does fill that void, and he will make your relationship with your spouse euphoric. And without God filling that void, your marriage will be difficult indeed. And, yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about. People are looking for quick fixes. They don't want to go through anything. They don't want to suffer anything. They don't want to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. They don't want to exercise the love of God. They, they don't want to experience agape. They haven't really truly experienced agape. They, you know, what they say, fell in love. They, they were erotic with one another, and they were physically attracted to one another. But what happens when you're no longer physically attracted to that person? If, the, if it hasn't been rooted and grounded and built on the love of God, then it begins to shake, it begins to quiver. And somewhere you have to establish a reconnection, you have to come back together. But if it's founded on God's love, that means that I, when you, when you stand there and the vows you says, you know, for better or for worse, sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, the agape of God says, you know what, I, I can honor that. I can honor that. Because when you're sick, I'm going to still love you. When you don't look the way you used to look, I'm going to still love you. When I don't have the, the kind of uh, finances or the kind of clothes or the house or whatever, or, and, I, and my children are acting crazy, I'm going to still love you. I'm going, I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still be here with you because God has never left me nor forsaken me. And so I made a vow to God and I made a vow to you. So God is going to enable me to do that, which it is that I said I would do. God enables us to keep our vows to him and to those that we are in relationship with. That's fellowship. That's Konaniya. And so we know that God is going to be doing all that he can do on our behalf because he wants us to do what he wants us to prosper and to be in health. He wants us to succeed. His word says that he wants us to succeed. He wants, Because in the end, we know we win in Revelations, but while we're here, we're standing between the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. We're having a human experience while we're down here, when we're not walking with him, but when we come to him, we're having a human experience with a supernatural anointing. And so in between the two bookends of the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, you're having a life experience. And life, some of us have been handed lemons and limes. Some of us have been handled thorns. And some of us have been handled with sandpaper. And some of us have been tossed to and fro, but yet God says that I know the plans that I have for you, and I know 
that I want to prosper you, and I know that I want you to be blessed, and I know that I want you to be above, and I know that I want you to be the head, and I know that I want you to be blessed in the city, and I know I want you to be a blessing to other people. I know what I want to do with you, but I need for you to mind your own business, and your business is loving on me and letting me love you. God says that he wants to love us more than we want to love him, and it's true throughout the word of God. God is busy loving his people who don't even really care about loving him. Some of us are sold out and wrapped up and tied up, and some of us are just barely hanging on, just barely hanging on, just hoping for that sweet vine about ready to go to heaven. I'm not ready to go to heaven just yet because God has a work for me to do down here, and until I do what God has called me to do, I pray for his grace and his mercy to give me the anointing and to give me the longevity to do what it is that he sent me to do in this earth. So I'm asking you that while you're considering the condition of your heart and the condition of your life, that you think about God. Talk to God and say, you know, I've been so busy minding your business and I've been so busy trying to do what it is that only you can do. I need for you to show me what it is that I need to be doing, like Mary and Martha. He says, you know, you're upset because she's not helping out in the kitchen, but guess what? She's doing that needful thing, and that thing is not going to be taken from her because God says, you know what? She excites me. She excites me because she's at my feet. She's worshiping me. She's praising me. She's adoring me. She's into me. And that's intimacy. God wants you to come and get into him, to be into him. He wants you. Some of us, you know, it's like uh, seeing a piece of chocolate. Some of us have this thing about chocolate. Some of us have this thing about ice cream. Whatever it is, it's like you, you eat it and it's like, mm, you're just moaning. you just groan when that thing is satisfying you. And God wants you to be into him like the thing that turns you on. They have these car commercials that says, you know, when you get inside of your vehicle, he says, are you actually, are, uh, what is it, the Cadillac commercial, I think it says, you know, what you want is a car that when you turn it on, it returns the favor. Well, hallelujah. What God wants is a relationship with you that when he turns you on, you return the favor. God wants to be turned on by you just like he is turning you on. Every day of your life, he wakes up and he turns you on, he turns you over, and he makes sure that you get up out of the bed and that you're going about your life. So don't you want to be an ambassador? Don't you want to be a great representative of him? Don't you want him to see the glory that he has for you revealed in the earth. The whole earth is waiting on you, children of God. The whole earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And here is Hosea manifesting in the midst of a perverse generation of people, of people who were being judged and who were about to be scattered and who were unloved and unloving and, and difficult to get along with and, and, and just, you know, don't bother me, I won't bother you. You know, you stay on your side of the street, I'll stay on my side of the street. You don't talk to me, I won't talk to you kind of mentality. God is wanting us to be about his business. But so going about his business requires us to be whole, to be rooted and grounded in him. Get into him. Get into him. Be intimate with him. So if God should call you and say, you know what, I want you to do a hard thing, 
and people going to talk about you, people going to laugh at you, people going to ridicule you, people going to say all manners of evil against you, and they're going to say that you aren't called God and that you can't tell me how to run my life and you can't tell me how to do my thing and you can't tell me who to be with who to be with because your wife is doing what she's doing and your husband's doing what he's doing. If you are called of God, do what God has called you to do and let God handle his business. He says, because if you would just simply call on him, in the day of trouble, that he would be there with you, that he would be there with you in the day of distress, that God would be there with you, that he would come alongside of you and he would be your comfort, he would be your guide, he would be the one who would stand close to you, he would be closer to you than a brother, he would sit closer to you than a friend, he would never leave you nor forsake you, even when you're being judged, because don't think that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if God is God and he's a good daddy, he's going to chastise you. So sometimes you're going to be chastised, and sometimes you're going to feel like God doesn't even care about you, that God is just absolutely ignoring you, those silent times when God isn't speaking to you. He's not telling you what to do with your life. He's not even responding to your prayers. And those times when it seems like he has just turned his back again, remember, it's impossible because the sun has come, and the sun, the blood, of the lamb and the blood of his son is forever before his face, and he will never be able to turn his back on you again. Just like he will never be able to destroy the earth by flood because he has set his covenant in the sky. He says he will no longer do that, and God is not a man that he should not should lie, but the son of man that he should repent. If he says it, he's going to do it. So he says, I will never destroy the earth by flood again, and I will never turn my back on you again. My face is forever towards you because when I look at you, I see the shed blood of my son. So God is saying that I want you to come and get into me, crawl up into my lap, go into the bedchamber with me in the Song of Solomon. Let me teach you how to leap upon the mountains. Let me teach you how to skip up on the mountains and how to leap over the valleys. Come on, come on, come into the bridal chamber. Let me romance you. Come and take a ride with me on my couch. I mean, this whole thing of Solomon, can you imagine picking up somebody who felt unlovely? She talked about her composure on the outside and what she looked like on the outside, how dark she was and everything, and everything about her. She just disliked everything about her, but when Solomon began to tell her how beautiful everything she thought was unlovely and ugly about her. That woman just transformed, and she became everything that Solomon said. God wants to do that to you. God wants to speak over your life. He wants to speak into your soul. He wants to speak into the places where somebody has dropped you like Mephibosheth. He wants to speak into your heart where somebody has raped you like Tamar. God wants to talk to you in the recesses of the pain of your life. Well, God has said, you know what? You thought I didn't know about that, and you thought that I didn't love you because somebody did you wrong. But because God is God, because God is God, he has kept your mind. When the enemy tried to take your mind, God says, you know what? You meant it for evil, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to work it out for her good. God wants to keep us in perfect peace if we would keep our minds stayed on him. So here we are with an opportunity to serve him with our whole hearts. For Thessalonians 5.23 says that, you know, I want you to serve me wholly, completely and totally. He, one of the commands says, you know, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, which means that every love that you have has got to flow out of that all love, that agape love, that full love, that love that will allow 
God to come in and love other people through you. That love, that's the love that God wants to put inside of you so that even when you're being done wrong and even when you are having to go Christmas and, and you're having to sit around and, 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 and smile at an uncle that may have molested you, smile at an Amy that may have molested you, smile at a sister or a brother that may have molested you, smile at a father that abandoned you, smile at a mother that ignored you, Smile at people that you felt like didn't do what they should have done, that they betrayed you, you can trust them, they didn't do anything for you. Why should you have to go and sit up and look at them and you wish for some of them to be dead or locked up and in prison? Are you waiting for God to do something bad to them? And you're like, you know, I just can't wait for God to do something with them. Well, guess what? God is waiting for you to forgive them, not because you feel like it, not because you feel like it, but because God wants you to mind your own business. God is a judge, and he says that he would exact revenge. So he can't judge if you're going to be the judge. He cannot judge if you choose to judge. So when you choose to be the judge, God cannot be God. Mind your own business. Forgive the people who have hurt you, not because you feel like it, but because it's good for you. It's good for you to forgive because God has a greater purpose for you. And as long as you hold on to unforgiveness, God cannot do what needs to be done through you. How can you minister forgiveness to someone else when you can't forgive? The whole measure of salvation is built on forgiveness. Forgive as you've been forgiven. So as a minister or an elder or as a prophet, as an evangelist, a teacher, a pastor, a minister, or just a lay person, and to me there is no such thing as just a lay person because the Bible says that we're all ministers of the gospel. Some may be ordained, some may be licensed, some may just simply be called, and to me being called is more than being sent because if you don't have a calling on your life, being sent is of no avail. So I encourage you, I encourage you, as this season comes up on you of the holidays, to let go, not because you feel like it, but because God has need of you. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to be a conqueror. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. And anything that's dealing with bitterness and grief and unforgiveness keeps you at the foot of Satan because he says that he would bruise the head of the enemy and that all things are upon his feet and anything that's not like God is under his feet. Think about it. You are a child of God. You are called to walk in high places. But when we walk in the flesh, we put ourselves in the same domain as Satan. We walk in the dark and we fulfill the lust of the flesh. But when we walk in the light, we fulfill the fruit and the labor of the spirit that God has called us to. Remember this, that when you choose not to forgive, you're walking not above, but you're walking beneath. And you're being under his feet just like Satan is, because God has nothing to do with darkness. He operates in the light. So I encourage you to grab hold to God. And I am going to um, pray a prayer. I'm going to play this prayer that I have pre-recorded. It is a prayer of protection. And I ask that you would um, catch hold to the words of this prayer, and they will be archived in here, and you're more than welcome to come back and listen to them. And the prayer is about to play right now. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up the listeners of this broadcast to you, and I pray I had your protection around them. 
I thank you, Father, that you are a wall of fire round about them and that you set your angels round about them. And I thank you that because they dwell in the secret place of the Most High and they abide under the shadow of the Almighty, they will say of you, Lord, that you are their refuge, their fortress, and you they will trust. I thank you that you cover them with your feathers and under your wings shall they trust. They shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the fiery dart that flies by day. Only with their eyes will they behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because my listeners have made you, Lord, their refuge and fortress, no evil shall befall them, no accident will overtake them, neither shall any plague or calamity come near them, for you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of your ways. And, Father, I thank you because you've set your love upon them. Therefore, will you deliver them. They shall call upon you, and you will answer them. You will be with them in trouble and will satisfy them with long life and show them your salvation. Not a hair of their head shall perish. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. I pray that God would be with you, that God would grant you peace, that God would be the God that he says that he is in your life, that he would take you to higher heights and deeper depths in him, and that you would come to know that he is a God that is concerned about you and everything that concerns your life, everything that pertains to life and godliness. God says that he is concerned about you. All he wants you to do is to be concerned about being into him. I pray that as you are wrapping up and preparing your hearts and your minds and your spirits to receive God in a new and a fresh way, that your spirit would be enlightened and your heart would be comforted and that the joy of the Lord would be your strength and that you would know that God wants to do in you all the things that he has sent you in this earth to do. The plans that God has for you, the plans that he was thinking about before he sent you into this atmosphere. Don't you know that the thoughts that God had for you were too big to just be down here when you came out of your mother's womb? God was thinking about you before he ever sent you down here. And I say to that is that, God, whatever you had on your mind when you were thinking about sending me into my mother's womb, God, give me that which you had from on high, that which you had for me at that particular time. I want to play the um, song about intimacy by Cheryl Brady um, right now just as a moment for you just to, to bask in this song, to bask in this song, and I'll come back online shortly with you. But in the meantime, I want you to listen to the words of this song again that played at the beginning of the program. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. Jesus, come and rest on me. Jesus, come rest on me. Yes, Jesus, come rest on me. I pray that you will create a place in your heart for him where he can come and rest on you, where he can come and he can talk to you and he can love on you and tell you just how much, just how much he loves you. Just absolutely. This can't be out. real. I don't want this hello? to be real. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, how hello. are you? Hi. Who oh. am I speaking with? Oh, you know him. Cry baby. Cry baby. The big mama of the cry babies. With the boo-hoo. Oh my. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah, I'm crying for those ringing schmoes. I love them though. <laughs> yes. Yes. The schmoes are the greatest. Yes, they are. You know, you ever cry for for the whole everybody? If you if you knew the pain and then the responsibility and then you just want to run and hide and never come out until it's done, you know. But you know, if you stay in the hole and hide, well, who's gonna do it then? You know. <laughs> So I gotta get up and do it and yay for me. The only way I know and the only way that makes it okay and he's been trying to make it okay for me forever, but I am so pissed. I'm so fed up. I'm telling you. Like what the hell am I doing this for? For the good of my health? You know what I mean? Are you following me? Yes I am. Yes I am. Yes I am. Oh, please. I got my baby up in in children's aid in the stupid crucifying of the Jews, stupidos. They're like that's their king, and then you got Danley over in the old prison doing time. You know, I'm here in crapland, and I don't have my family with me, and I'm sitting on the computer all day. I'm praying and doing Bible study, and doing what I know best is worshiping my Lord. And asking for his help. And the more I call, the more the devil comes in and just sweeps it away, you know? And the old resentment and the old I'm fed up and the old I'm not doing it and the old tough, <laughs> too bad for you, I'm just going to do what I want. And then you get the old guilt trip and then you get the old bad time and then you, oh, you yeah, you deserve punishment. And then, of course, you know, some result of you being a delinquent and a re- rebellious little schmo, you know, is proving itself. Like, oh, yeah, there you go. And then what? You know what? I went into that with that attitude and that attitude because I know that God has made me to be the one that has to go against every stupid rule and regulation in this world. It doesn't make sense. Not one of the rules can uh, apply to one single person. Even, like not even one single person right now. And now we're all taking, you know, um, charge over our life by being controlled by a system, um, by a Ten Commandments, you know, by a Jesus that loves us and does not condemn us, by a Father that would blow up people and do that. But the fear, that is not God. That is not right. And that is why I'm here to tell you what the Word is saying that God is good, and God did not want this to happen. But this is the only way that we could create heaven and hell, you know, as a separate entity, and deceive us, 
and not allow us to see that we we're on earth and this is acceptable, but we were living in hell just so he could not have us have any more fear and that sin would be attached to that hell. And if he got rid of sin, then there wouldn't be any more hell. So he found a way of putting us in hell first and then walked us into the Garden of Eden where we can all be a part of saying, wow, we're dead, that's the second death. We can just die to our flesh and our world and start fresh because really everything that that we are is caused from lies and deceit and from control and misconceptions of a word that came from back in the day which was translated um, in what, over how many thousands of years and then had to have the ability to see what was going on in the day of the coming and figure it out when they're in some other age dealing with dirt. You know, they had to take what it was that could be sort of a, yeah, an, I guess an analogy or you know, a parable or a metaphor or just something that could be seen or put it into slang so that that word that they were using back then that they saw could be then made into today's word. And that's why there's so many slangs and everybody's, you know, doing the old different languages. And I mean, like a lot of the words we can actually say, no way, is that it? Is that the word? But you know what? It very possibly, you know, very well possibly or whatever could be that we are actually doing the opposite in a second definition of the same word, don't change the word, and then using the names that were back in the day, put the spirit all together and all those people that have the answers that saw what was going on, because they wrote about it, obviously, and then put them into one spirit, put it into Jesus, which is the almighty God that is to come, the little baby. The baby grows up, gives everybody the spirit, because finally his kingdom is ready, and then the spirit is living in each individual that has now the power because nobody's going to be m- missing. That's why we have to know that God loves everybody exactly where they are right now. And also know that they are not responsible for sin if they were created in the original sin, which was in hell, which is going to die, which is really just taking the spirit and killing the flesh as we knew it because it becomes reborn again. So we all become children of God. And this is where we all can get together and be in the church, which is, you know, the learning, the, the wisdom, the knowledge, the connection between people on the other side of the, the earth and not realize, you know, that we're talking to somebody. We don't even know. We feel comfortable. I don't care where you are, what you look like. I don't care what your name is. What is your word? And are you being fishers of men? Well, obviously, you just fish me in. I love your topic. This is glorifying God. And I will be there. And I will be able to to affirm that that this is the, the synagogue of Satan, not the church of the devil. This is like the church of God because we are with the mark, you know, the little marker with the point, the right hand that goes and it points to whatever and has an address, a number, mark of the beast. You click on it, which is the marker, clickety in the right hand. Then you go up to the crosses, but we're crossing over the whole entire planet. We're breaking borders. We're becoming one nation. We're all collecting um, whatever comes into the sight of God is now the new perspective on things. And if they have given their portion and the Spirit has brought them to each other through this amazing way without all this, I have to travel to see you. Jesus traveled on foot by foot. So he had to not only travel by foot as far as he could in his 33 years, which is so like so short, and then have it travel all the way to the day of the coming which is completed finally and that his word has still not even been been heard by everybody it says in the final day that you cannot die 
Everybody will hear the word of Jesus and have a chance. So when you hear the word of God, that's when the day of judgment will come because that's when the day of the rules and regulations and commandments will be placed within the spirit and the spirit becomes yes. your judge. Yes. You know, I, I, um, I agree. I'm um, 647. I apologize. Um, I agree with you on that. And I was listening to you because I initially when I came in that you were, you know, really crying and I wanted to make sure that I paid attention to what you were saying because I want us to have a discourse. I want us to, to understand as well as make sure that the listeners as you well are following You encouraged me, though. Like, everything that and you were saying was talking to me. Yes, and, and I... Stay on I, your show. I called you because you called me. You fished me in. Yes, and I appreciate it. Okay, and I'm so on much. talking to you, and you're helping me, and you're a prophet, yes, and you're a disciple, and you're an apostle, and you're, like, speaking the word that was spoken through the power of God that brought my spirit because I was the one that needed those words. And that's all you have to know. God will bring me to you because I am in the spirit and you are in the same spirit of Jesus Christ. And that means we are on the same page. It is going to happen instantaneously. Oh, she's talking about me all of a sudden. It's not like, oh, isn't that a coincidence? No, this is called how God works. And this is how the church works. This is why in the day of the coming, this is the, the, the beast. We're all sitting on our thrones. We're doing the desolate. They couldn't sit down back in slavery. They were up getting beat down and keep on working and building my, you know, Egypt, so to speak. You know what I mean? Working, doing whatever. They never sat down. That's why they think that we're all like these, you know, prophets. They, we th- they think we're kings. They think that, that sitting here in front of this terrible crystal with the terrible colors and being desolate and fasting and, like, not thinking about time, not thinking about, like, the, oh, my God, is it morning? What time is it? You know, just as long as you have the word. And this is the church of God, the beast. This is the, like, just say that I was a woman that was in a dragon, like a holy, like, crap, I hate my life, on and on with the same baloney. And then you get on the old computer, which translates into 666 in numbers, which is the number of the beast, that means that this is sucking you in because it is the one thing that's giving you life, knowledge and wisdom, you know, connecting to people of all sorts, you know, bringing one nation together, trying to get the world to be a better place and to stop terrorism and and stop, you know, famine and, and stop, you know, dirty water and to encourage that everybody's religion is no longer but their word still stands as something that will connect to God. And if it is encouraging to the spirit of all people, not one person missing, there is not one person that would deny that truth. And that's why we become one with God. And we use all our cultural differences and races and religions and ceremonies and, and you know, spiritual like gurus or whatever, and we put them all together in one, and we empower God in in sharing our portion, you know, each nation has a portion, each culture has a portion, each woman, each man, each and family that, and that, and that, in that aspect, that is where I would have to say that I would disagree on that part because it says, you know, there is only one God, one faith, and one baptism, and there is only one name that will be named, and that is the name of Jesus. Well, so he's in everybody. I, I he's the spirit him. of everybody. 
uh, those who accept him and those who call upon him. Why did he die? So he got the spirit and everything. For all of us. He died for all of us, but not all of us will accept him because if that's the case, there would be no hell. But they're talking about the same God. They just didn't know him because he was on a different landmass. They haven't even heard of him. But they will have to come to know him. Well, they will. And they won't have a problem with them because they'll say that's exactly what we were reading about. That's that's their God. One voice. They just don't know that the God that they're worshiping is the same God. They don't know that. I don't believe, I, I do believe that there's a perversion of that. And on this no. hour, I'd be Allah happy to the same one that on another segment. But in regards to this, I do, I do not. Um, I, it I, you came know, in on different that, times. In one moment, in the atom, okay. it's all happening at the same time. Because when well, God is here, to, he will make every we'll moment. We'll have to take that up. We're about to uh, run out of time. We've got like 19 minutes, and I want to get to another caller. But I'd encourage you to continue to call him back, and most definitely I'd like to continue. You know who I am. No, I don't. But Why don't you I'm take a guess? To know you. I'm okay, a woman from I'm Toronto, from the North okay. Country, uh-huh. from the province of Ontario, in the land of Canaan. Okay, I am the... Whatever, the Samaritan woman, I am the woman of the dragon, I am the mama, I am the whore, I am sat in and sat on, Satan, I am the fallen angel, Hang on. I'm the mother of God, I'm the creator. Nine three six. Nine three six. You're on the air. Caller on line one, you're on the air. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello? Yes. How are you doing? Hi. Fine, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. In your uh, discord with uh, the prophet and the the prostitute, Mm -hmm. I... I feel there's another aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I agree. And that's why I want to uh, invite you on. And uh, we're going to uh, expand this and expound on it um, over maybe at least uh, seven days. So um, i definitely like, you know, for you to come and okay. uh, ex- expound on it because I um, only got as far as Chapter 1, um possibly just really maybe verse five really good and really not that good but um you know there's there's a lot to be covered and so i would like for you to come and be a guest okay that's that's very possible okay Okay. all right so uh, i'd like to just tell all of those who are on board i have uh, with me um prophet and uh, hugo and he is going to uh, accept the invitation to come and be a guest as we discuss um, the book of Hosea, but in the definition of the prostitute and the prophet. And I believe that God has definitely some insight from him. I know that he is a man of God and that he will uh, bring more into this as we continue to go on. So I ask that you stay tuned, and we will definitely be having uh, Prophet Hugo on board with us, and uh, some additional guests will be coming on, and I'm uh, not really sure exactly who all, 
um, I can tell you at this particular moment, but we do have people in the wings, and we are definitely looking forward to um, his coming. And so possibly tomorrow he may be able to be here. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay, so I ask that you guys return and stay tuned, and we're going to go deeper into the prophet and the prostitute on tomorrow. If there's anyone else who would like to make a comment, I will go back to the lines. Or if you have a comment that you'd like to send in the chat, I'll be willing to take that as well. So um, at this point, uh, would you stand by for me, uh, yes. Prosecutor? Thank you. Yes. Okay, Pastor Rebecca, would you like to have any comments at this time if you're still on the line? Jess 1663, thank you for joining us. Would you like to have any comments at this time? And I believe this is, uh, I think, Zodiac Lion. Welcome. Would you like to have any comments at this time? Thank you all for coming. Thank you for all for tuning in, and I ask you to continue to tune in. I believe that we're going to be able to stay on uh, the prophet and the prostitute for the next six days. Uh, we started out with today, and so we're going to do a seven-day uh, uh, study on this. And I encourage you to come back and bring someone else with you, and most definitely let's go deeper into this. But remember, God is wanting you to get into him. And he is wanting you to be so into him so that he can enable you to do exactly what he's called you to do. And that's basically mind your own business because he's got your business under control. Just let it go and give it to God. Roll it over on him. And if you have to visually imagine yourself rolling it over onto him, then just imagine rolling the biggest boulder that you have the strength to roll over onto God and saying, here, you take it, I'm done with it, I'm going to walk away from it. You do what it is that you do best, and that is mine, my business, and I'm going to go into your business. So with that in mind, if there is anyone here who would like to have salvation, if you don't have salvation at this time, or you would like to return back to God, if you're in a backsliding condition, feel free to uh, call in right now, and we are welcoming you to share with us anything that you'd like to share at this particular moment. And once again, we thank you for coming and listening to Patricia Adams live on the topic of the prophet and the prostitute coming from the book of Hosea. And we are excited about what God is doing and where God is taking us and the things that God has planned for us because truly God wants us to do and be ready to do his bidding in the day and age that we're in and know that God is in the midst of us and that he is concerned about us, and that he is taking control of what belongs to him, and that's you. Because just like he was in control of Hosea's life, he wants to be in control of yours. doesn't mean that he doesn't want to hear what you have to say, but most of all, he wants to be the biggest factor in your life. He wants to lead and guide you and order your steps, and he wants you to cause, 
cause you to do that which it is that is pleasing in his sight so that he can be glorified, so that he can be worshipped and spirit and in truth. And remember that there is only one God, one Lord, one salvation, one baptism, and all men must come to him and they must come to God and they must come to him naming the name of Jesus Christ because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He has been given a name that is above every name. So he is the only one that we are to call upon in the day of distress. We call upon God through the name of Jesus Christ. And anything that we ask of the Father in the name of Jesus, we believe that we receive it. And right now I want to thank you so much again. We are going into the final minutes of the program. And I want to thank you all who came on board. And remember that we will have Prophet Hugo joining us on tomorrow. And this is a man who I know personally. He did not just randomly call in. I do know him, and I know him to be a man sent from God. And he has an end-time word, and he is a person of uh, great depth and revelation of walking with God, and he walks with God in obedience. And the anointing that comes through the mouth of an obedient servant is the anointing that will destroy yokes. So come back. Go with us as we... Continue this discourse, and as we bring on uh, Prophet Hugo tomorrow to continue to talk about this, we want you to be blessed, and we want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, and we want to thank you so much for coming by and making this day for me, and I've enjoyed you so much, and I've enjoyed uh, knowing that you were here listening and chiming in and giving me your feedback, Pastor Rebecca, Guest 1663, Zodiac Lion, Tony Keys. I want to thank those who uh, will call in by phone as well, uh, 647 and 936 and 469 and 214 and 817. I want to thank you all for calling in. And um, we look forward to being with you again on tomorrow. So come back, and we will be here again tomorrow at 12 noon, God willing, and say the same, and we will be here for two hours. And at that time, we're going to take it with a little bit of a different format, but we're going to give Prophet Hugo ample time to give what God has given him in regards to what we've shared so far today, and he will open up Hosea and Gomer to you even more. And I do believe that uh, this is an opportunity that you don't want to miss and you want to be a part of it because God has a word for you and God has a word for you that will never, ever, ever be erased. So I want to thank you, and I am going to uh, begin to play the um, outro to Come Lay Your Head on Me as we sign out. And remember that the prayer of protection that God has given his angels charge over you to keep you and all of your ways of obedience and service, and to preserve you and to keep you faultless and to present you blameless before the only wise God our Savior. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May the mercy and the grace of God go with you and go before you. And everything that the enemy has stolen from you and everything that the enemy has attempted to steal from you, may you know that he is not a God that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not spoken it? Shall he not perform it? And I want to thank you again for coming in and listening to Patricia Adams Live on the subject of the prophet and the prostitute. You be blessed.
changed at all. But now I see how you were there for me, and I can say, never would have made it. Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. But now I see how you were there for me and I can say I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. When I look back over all you brought me through,
Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up the listeners of this broadcast to you, and I pray I had your protection around them. I thank you, Father, that you are a wall of fire round about them, and that you set your angels round about them, and I thank you that because they dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and they abide under the shadow of the Almighty, they will say of you, Lord, that you are their refuge, their fortress, and you they will trust. I thank you that you cover them with your feathers, and under your wings shall they trust. They shall not be afraid of the terror by night, or the fiery dart that flies by day. Only with their eyes will they behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because my listeners have made you, Lord, their refuge and fortress, no evil shall befall them, no accident will overtake them, neither shall any plague or calamity come near them, for you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of your ways. And Father, I thank you because you've set your love upon them, therefore will you deliver them. They shall call upon you, and you will answer them. You will be with them in trouble, and will satisfy them with long life, and show them your salvation. Not a hair of their head shall perish. In Jesus' name, amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.